sanctuary. If you would turn in your Bibles to Philemon, we're going to wrap up that book today. Philemon, that's a small little book after Titus and before Hebrews. And if you don't uh, move carefully, you will miss it because it's only one chapter long. Uh, we're going to be looking at the end of the book today. We've already looked at Paul's welcoming uh, his letter to his friend Philemon and then his appeal last week. And today he's going to kind of close with a finishing reminder uh, to his friend about the importance of the gospel. I'm going to begin in verse 17, read to verse 25, uh, pray, and then we'll dive in the word together. Hear God's word. Philemon, chapter 1, verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him, Onesimus, as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. And yet, Lord, when we enter into your presence, we are reminded of how we are insufficient, how we are not good. So, God, we first come asking you to forgive our sins our sins of lack of faith, our sins of um, commission, our sins of omission. God, we, as the psalmist said, confess our sins to you. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. Blessed is the man, you say, O Lord, whom the Lord does not account his iniquity. And no, we know, Lord, because what you have done for us in Christ, you will no longer um, treat us as we deserve, but you will treat us with grace and mercy. Father, we we pray for those in our congregation who are hurting. We pray for our dear brother Ken Tedder, who's battling cancer. We pray that you would be with him. Father, we pray for uh, Jesse Faulkner as he's recovering from his knee surgery. God, we pray that you would give him patience and grace to to overcome. Father, we pray for all our shut-ins. This morning, we specifically lift up Miss Eunice, God. We thank you so much for her life, for uh, for her joy in you. We pray, God, today that you would feel the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, we, we thank you so much for this city and the, the privilege of, of living in it. God, we pray for all our students who are going back to college and high school this coming week, God, and, and elementary school. We pray, God, that their hearts would be ready to learn, that they would learn about how you have worked in the world. We pray for our teachers as they stand and shine as, as lights, Lord, holding out the word of truth uh, with through word and deed. We pray that you would make them salt, God that you would preserve those students that they come across, showing them the light of the gospel. Father, we pray for our um, fellow churches. We pray for Steve Hogg this morning at First Baptist Church. God, we pray as he preaches the word, we pray that you would form and change that congregation more and more into your likeness. We pray that you would bless uh, First Baptist Church uh, with growth uh, spiritually and numerically. Dear God, we, we come to you now asking begging, Lord, pleading with you to speak to our hearts. God, you know every single thought, every single 
a heartbeat in this place. So, God, we lay them there before you, Lord. We know that nothing is hidden from your sight. So, dear God, I pray that you speak a word to your people to encourage, to rebuke, to challenge, God, to enrich them with your word. Uh, Dear God, I pray that the words that I speak would would be words of reconciliation. God, the people here would be reconciled to one another and be reconciled to you. So, dear God, we pray that the study of this word, a friend's reminder of the sweetness of the gospel, God, I pray that you would use use it powerfully in the midst of our congregation. God, you know what Park Baptist Church needs. We need more of you. We pray that you would do that for us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, human beings naturally forget. (laughs) We are a forgetful people. Uh, One of the things that we do, I'm sure you have one and uh, I have one, is we have calendars. We have calendars, whether it's paper or electronic, we have things that we write down. Why do we write them down? So that we can recall them, because they're important dates uh, in our lives. We all have different techniques to remember, don't we? Uh, Whether it's uh, creating an acronym for a, for a high school student to remember the circulatory system uh, or, or tricks to remember someone's name. We, we use these techniques to, to recall things to our minds. Uh, do you know that that's actually how the brain is wired? We are actually wired that the more, things, more times we think about things, the more we remember it. So the less we think about things, those things that we tend to forget. And in God's sovereign goodness and kindness to us, you know what he does? He gives us something in how we're called to structure our lives every single week to recall in our minds the sweetness of his promises to us. So every week we gather as a church body. We gather as the people of Park Baptist Church and we remember God's goodness to us through the fellowship of the saints, through singing and praying and preaching God's holy word. God wants us to remember and he has given us these reminders so that we would never forget what he has done for us in Christ. He even has given us two physical reminders as a church. Baptism, where we physically experience the reminder of our rebirth in Christ. We, we have the, the physical reminder of the Lord's Supper, which we'll be celebrating here uh, in a couple of weeks, where we get to taste and remember what Christ has done for us. His body and his blood broken, his blood spilled for our behalf. And yet we see reminders all over our natural world. Every morning the sun rises, reminding of God's control of the universe. And every night the sun sets, showing us that only God never sleeps or slumbers. And yet with all the reminders we have, we are still a forgetful people. Deuteronomy, the last book of the law, is full of references where Moses says from the word of the Lord, take care lest you forget. Take care lest you forget. Even the the title Deuteronomy means Deuteronomy, means the the law again. It's, It's the retelling of the law so that you would not forget. And with so many reminders, we still forget God's goodness. The Apostle Peter summed up his ministry as an elder of the church this way, that the church would recall the great works of God. Listen to what Peter says in his last epistle. He says in verse 15, I will, of chapter 1, and I will make every effort 
so that after my departure, you will be able at any time to recall these things, the works of the Lord. So whether it's a pastor like myself or parents like Justin and Lauren, our job is to impart the great things of God so that when we're gone, those who come after us will recall the great things of the Lord. To, to remember. So we remind and we remind and we remind so that they will remember the great things of God. And even here in this letter, the Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his own life. And yet, what does he want to do as he closes this letter but to remind his friend of that which matters most? To remind him of his responsibility in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive his repentant slave, Onesimus. I pray this morning as we look closely at Philemon's life that Paul's reminder to him would be a reminder to us all of our responsibility to forgive our repentant brothers and sisters in the gospel. If you have a, a bulletin, you can flip to the back to follow this morning's outline. The first is just a reminder of partnership, a reminder of partnership. You know, Paul ends his letter by reminding Philemon of their partnership in the gospel. Even the word partner there, it comes from the Greek word koinonia that appears three different times throughout this letter, and it almost kind of shapes the entire letter, this idea of fellowship, partnership, sharing. It's the most important aspect of Paul and Philemon's relationship. It's their partnership in the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17. It says, So, if you consider me your partner, receive me, receive him as you would receive me. Paul reminds Philemon of their partnership of the gospel. And Philemon says that Onesimus, or Paul tells Philemon that Onesimus is one of us. It's like he's saying, Onesimus believes the gospel like we do, Philemon. He is one of us. He, he, he's a partner in the gospel. So if you're going to receive me as a partner, as a brother, then you should also receive Philemon, Onesimus. So the question what happens here is that Paul is bringing to the forefront the crux of the letter. It's this. Will Philemon act as a prosperous businessman or a partner in the gospel? I mean, will he live his life fundamentally as a prosperous businessman who was wronged by one of his slaves? Or will he live his life fundamentally as a partner in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What will be his main allegiance? What will be our main allegiance? What will be the driving force of his decisions, of our decisions? It's a reminder for Philemon that it would be very hard for you to partner in the gospel if you are not a forgiving person. Philemon had sacrificed his money, his time, his resources, even opened up his own home to, to bring the church into his own house to meet. So the question is not what Philemon has done in the past, but what will he continue to do? As Christians, we don't live in the past. We live in the present. We do not, we do not ask, did I obey Jesus yesterday? But rather, will I obey Jesus today? 
I think it's easier to pacify our consciences when we feel pricked by the Holy Spirit to think about all that we've done for the Lord in our life. Well, I've done this, I've done that, and we feel that we're a little bit better off because of the, the service that we gave to the Lord. But you know what the Lord wants you to do today? He wants to know, will you remain with Him? Will you persevere with Him? Or will you reject Him? The key for us is, will we abide in Christ? Will we remain with Him? So how we interact and receive God's people will be one of the greatest markers if we continue to have fellowship with Jesus. Now you and I know that we've met a lot of people in our life, haven't we, who claim the name of Christ. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. You know one of the markers? If, if, if you actually love the Lord Jesus, it's how you receive God's people. And if you don't receive God's people, you may not be a follower of the Lord Jesus. If we have true fellowship or partnership with other believers, we can be confident that we have partnership with God in the gospel. And yet if we do not have fellowship with others, how can we say we have fellowship with God? This letter is only 25 verses. And right here at verse 17, we see the first uh, command, the first imperative throughout the whole text. It's the word Paul says, receive. If you consider me your partner, receive him. There is no exclusion for a repentant brother or sister. All sinners who have turned away from their sin and trust in Christ are welcome to be part of the Lord's church. Every single person who has ever lived who turns from sin and trusts in Christ is welcome in the Lord's church. Onesimus was a thief. He had taken from Philemon. He had disrespected him. And not only him, he's disrespected his family. But he had repented. He turned from his sin. He came to Christ and became a partner in the same gospel that Philemon held dear. So Paul uses the imperative to show Philemon that there is only one option for a true partner in the gospel. That is to welcome a brother or sister in Christ. Jesus says these words. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is a non-negotiable in the Christian faith. It is essential. So if you are here today and you are withholding forgiveness, you are at odds with the Lord Jesus. Turn to Christ and receive the sweetness of the gospel. What sin is unforgivable? What action would restrict fellowship in the Lord's church. Now listen, there are all sorts of horrific sins that we can imagine. But listen, whether it's you or somebody else, if someone truly repents, if someone truly turns from their sins, the church opens their doors. 
the church opens their arms. The church is a place that welcomes repentant sinners. So friend, if you are in sin this morning, as Christ's ambassador, I implore you to turn from your sin and be reconciled to God. Christian, if you are here in sin, I pray that you would turn to Christ and experience the sweetness of forgiveness. The beginning of this reminder that Paul closes with, a reminder of the partnership of the gospel. Live for the gospel. The second thing is a reminder of payment. A reminder of payment. Paul continues to charge Philemon to forgive Onesimus. But he does something profound. He offers up himself for Onesimus. Look at verse 18 through 20. It's, the, it's one thought here. He says, If Onesimus has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me or even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from the Lord from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Most scholars would say that when, when you see I, Paul, write this in my own hand, it actually is written in Paul's hand, writing. Most letters that Paul wrote were written by someone else. So here it's not just Paul writing this, it's actually a contract. He's saying, if Onesimus owes you anything, I will pay it. And here's my signature to prove it. Paul offers up himself for Onesimus. And friend, this is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. Don't we see it? We are the ones who have sinned and rebelled against God. We are the ones who have robbed God of his glory by living for ourselves and our own agendas. We are the ones who deserve to pay. We are guilty. And yet Jesus steps forward before the Father and says, If they have wronged you at all or owe you anything. Charge it to my account. Jesus paid the full price of your sin on the cross. He was dead and buried, but God raised him from the dead. So now we live in hope because Jesus gave up himself for us. And Paul is acting in the way of Christ. He is laying down his life for a thief, Onesimus. Is that you? When's the last time you laid your life down for a sinner who did not deserve it? Are you willing? Are you willing to act like Paul? Are you willing to pay the price for someone else's sin? It's a story I've shared with you before. There's a story of a, of a good king who, who really took care of his people. He, he provided for them. He was loving. He was kind. And then one day, one of his servants came to him and said, said Sir, someone has stolen from the treasury. So he gathered the town together and he looked at them. and he says, I've done so much for you. I've always wanted to provide for you. I wanted to care for you. If you would have just asked me, I would have given it to you. But because I, I, I'm a man of justice, I have to punish the one who sinned. If you come forward now, I'll only give you ten lashes. A week goes by and nothing happens. 
his servant comes to him again and says, Sir, someone has robbed the treasury again. He gathers the town together again and he pleads with them saying, I've given you so much and yet I want to give you more. But I love justice and righteousness. So, so now because you, you sin even more that those who, who committed the sin will only receive 20 lashes. The week goes by. The guard comes to him with a face that is solemn and says, King, someone stole again. But this time we caught the culprit. It was your mother. Word spread around the kingdom. What is the king going to do? The king has promised to punish the one who who committed the crime with 20 lashes. The day came for the the payment to be meted out upon his, his mother. They took the mother into the middle of the town square, tied her to a pole. The guard walked over to his mother, looked at the king, and the king nodded as to proceed with the punishment. The guard reared back his hand, ready to strike, and the king yelled, Stop! He walked over to his mother, unbuttoned his shirt, grabbed his mom, and said, Finish the punishment. And took all 20 lashes on her behalf. Beloved, that is what our Lord has done for us. We deserve to be punished. And yet God took the punishment for us. Paul is doing the same thing here. He's saying, if Onesimus has wronged you in any way, I will pay it, Paul says. And I pray that we would be the kind of people who would do the same. Because he knows that how he was forgiven. Paul knows what he has done. Paul knows that he was formerly a murderer. Listen to what he says about himself. He says, formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in my unbelief. And the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the love that is in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Hear this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. Paul never forgot that he was redeemed by grace. And this is why he's writing the letter to Philemon. He wants him never to forget the debt that Philemon owes Paul and God. Even he says it here, you owing me even your own self. Paul was reminding Philemon is that the grace that you have received, you should extend to Onesimus. Philemon should forgive Onesimus, but that does not make forgiveness easy. Those of you here who have been wronged, who have been hurt, when someone says you must forgive, something kind of wells up in us and says, I don't want to. The only way that we can forgive is the supernatural power of God when we understand what we have been forgiven from in Christ. When we understand that we deserve eternal punishment and God gives us mercy forevermore. That is the only thing that would cause our hearts to well up and forgive our brothers and sisters who have wronged us. Let me share a story of the Lord Jesus from Matthew 18. I'm just going to read this and I want you to listen to how Jesus illustrates how we should forgive. And I pray our Lord's words would penetrate your hearts. Jesus said, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
when he began to settle one brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, seizing him and began to choke him, saying, pay to me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused, went and put him into prison that he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Friend, forgiven people forgive. It's that simple. If you have been forgiven by God, you will forgive. The third reminder he gives here is a reminder of preparation. A reminder of preparation. Um, really, just a, just a brief point here. You know, Paul is really just reminding Philemon, that, hey, I'm going to come see you. I'm going to hold you accountable to what you do with Onesimus. Look at verse 21. He says, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me. For I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be gracious, graciously given to you. You know, I think Paul believes that Philemon is going to act in obedience. You know, we, we see that in the beginning of the gospel, that he was, he was one who was full of faith and love for the saints. Philemon was a man of character. It, it would probably, Paul could assume, that Philemon would have acted like a Christian should act. I think we can, we can assume that. And yet he's just reminding him that one day I'm going to look you in the eye and ask how you did. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you accountable for living like a Christian. Isn't that, the, isn't that what the church is for in many ways? We come here every single week and we look each other in the eye. And we have to, to live with how we lived this past week. How hard is it to look someone in the eye who's a forgiving brother or sister, who may have dealt with more pain in, in their life than I have, and yet they forgive, and I have to look that person in the eye? I'm encouraged to forgive. Paul saying, prepare for my visit. And I think in a small way, he's saying we should all prepare for the visit, the visit from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you prepared for the coming of the Lord? And if you're not forgiven, or you have not forgiven, you are not ready. Prepare for His coming. But lastly, let us close with a reminder of perseverance. A reminder of perseverance. Let me just kind of look at the, the last characters that Paul brings up towards his gospel, 23 through 25. Paul writes, his final greetings, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Aristarchus Demas, and Luke, 
my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. You know, we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look at the names of this list and know if they they persevered. We know if they, they made it. So did Philemon forgive Onesimus? We don't know. <laughs> the Bible doesn't fully tell us. We can assume that because this letter existed, that Philemon probably forgave Onesimus. Church tradition states that Philemon eventually would become the pastor of this church in Colossae, and along with his wife, Aphia, were martyred for the gospel. He persevered until the end. A man named Onesimus here would eventually be most likely become the, the pastor of the church at Ephesus decades later. We cannot be sure if this was the exact same Onesimus, but we know that this Onesimus also laid down his life for the gospel, dying for his faith. He persevered until the end. Paul, the peacemaker, the friend who wrote this letter to Philemon to encourage reconciliation, was probably shortly after this letter was written, beheaded in a Roman prison. But blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Paul persevered to the end. Luke, who's mentioned here, went on to write half the New Testament, Luke and Acts. Tradition says he died at the age of 84, still believing in the gospel. Mark, the author of the the gospel that bears his name, was reconciled to Paul. Those of you who know, there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. During Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, Mark came along with them, and Mark just bailed. And then on the second missionary journey, Mark wanted to come again. And Paul said, I will have no part in him coming. And Barnabas and Paul split. And yet at the end of Paul's life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, it seems that Paul reconciled with Mark by saying that he was very useful to me in ministry, asking Timothy to bring him for encouragement. Mark would eventually travel to Alexandria. He'd become the pastor there before being martyred for his faith. Mark persevered to the end. Epaphras, a fellow prisoner with Paul in this prison, most likely was, became the, the pastor of Colossae during this time. Tradition says that he was released from his, this imprisonment, only later to be arrested and martyred for his faith. Epaphras persevered until the end. Aristarchus, known throughout the Acts and here as one who was persecuted along with Paul, he became a pastor in modern-day Syria, and he too was martyred for the gospel. Do you see a trend here? Do you see that these pastors and men held the gospel so dear that they were willing to die rather than forsake the gospel? And in persevering to the end, what they were saying is that they persevered in forgiveness. They chose to die rather than to withhold forgiveness. Yet there's one more name on the list. And he should serve as a warning to us all. Demas, once a partner in the gospel, laboring for the forgiveness of sins, is said to have fallen in love with the world, deserting Paul and the gospel. His love did not persevere. It has been said of the two thieves at Calvary, one 
was saved that none might despair, but only one that none might presume. We have been studying the story of another thief who was reconciled to God by Calvary. Onesimus is a reminder of God's offer of forgiveness. Philemon is a reminder of one who extended forgiveness. Paul is a reminder of one who encourages forgiveness. And Demas is a reminder of the one who walked away from forgiveness. What do you need to be reminded of today? We all need reminders to persevere in the gospel. And I pray that this short letter has reminded you of the beauty, the power, and the glory of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would be reminded to persevere until the end. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the people here. I pray that we would persevere to the end in the forgiveness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.